All right, well, hey, good morning. I'm Mark, executive pastor here. I want to welcome you as well. Excited to, to be together this morning. And this is uh, the last part of this series where we're talking about You Belong. And um, I want to start out with a story I told uh, Charlie and I were talking the other day, and I, I told him this story. He tends to giggle at my stories. Uh, I think it's, you know, if I tell a story from my journey, uh, you know, his wife Heidi is from the same hometown that Terry and I are from, and so a lot, he, she even knows some of the people, so it's like, uh, and yeah, they are kind of, when I think about it, after I tell one, like, hey, you know what, that, that is kind of a funny story, it seemed normal, but I guess it's not normal, uh, and this one is one of those, I guess, I, um, one night, I, you know, I hadn't been, uh, driving all that long, and, uh, I was going home from whatever a 16, 17 year old small town, uh, kid does, and, um, so, I, I, but I'm running out of gas, so I pull into this gas station, and so I'm sitting there filling up, nobody else is around, no really cars on the road, and then this other guy pulls up beside me, and, and he is uh, new, new to town, uh, also I played football with him and had kind of gotten to know him, but not a whole lot, he was still kind of new to me, and uh, what I did know about him is that he had made enemies from the start, like, it's like he was on some mission just to get everybody not to like him, I mean, if... He would just go after different groups and purposely, like, just, you know, draw attention to himself and, and make enemies. So it wasn't surprising when this car pulls up in the parking lot and these three guys jump out, one way out in front of the other two, and just goes right up to him and punches him in the nose. Uh, so he, he falls to the ground, and that guy uh, proceeds to, to jump on top of him and punch him some more. And, uh, and I look at these other two guys, and uh, guys that I also know, and they're looking at me, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, uh, should, we, should, we, should we do anything here? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm kind of checking them out. Are you guys, you guys planning to jump in? And then I'm also thinking, if, if I jump in, then they're going to jump in, and is that really profitable to anybody? And, uh, and then I'm thinking, you know, he, this guy actually deserves what he's getting right now, and, uh, and I don't know that I would be jumping in to help him, and I really don't know the other guy that well, and so... So what do we do? Me and these other guys, two other guys, we just kind of sit there and watch, right? And uh, at one point, uh, they're throwing each other against the two vehicles, and they throw them against my car, and I'm like, whoa, 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 and I'm over there making sure, like, no scratches happen. I'm more worried about that than I am whatever's going on here. And then, you know, the, the gas line was out there, and I was afraid they were going to trip over it, you know, we're going to have a spill. I mean, they were... There were things that I was worried about, but it wasn't necessarily this. And so, so it goes on for a little bit, and me and these guys are just kind of watching. And it, it, I remember the way that it ended. Uh, a guy was, the attacker was still on top of him, but the guy that I knew, he was on his back, but he had, he had grabbed his throat and was just squeezing as hard as he could, which looked like he was inflicting some pain as well. I mean, it looked like, you know, well, not even, but something was happening. And, uh, and so then that guy gets up, those three guys jump in the car, and they drive away. And me and that guy, he gets up, you know, he's all beaten and bruised, and, and we're watching that car go away, and he goes, uh, man, why didn't you help me? And I didn't even make eye contact with him, because I don't think I could just, man, I thought you had him. <laughs> so I, <laughs> and I got in my car, and I drove away. Uh, you know, uh, today, uh, in thinking about God's, God's heart for the whole world, um, you know, sometimes it feels like there are fights that you just identify from the beginning. That one, my whole life, every time I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? That was a fight that, that wasn't my fight. That was his fight. That, that wasn't my fight. And I'm, I'm glad I didn't jump into that fight because that wasn't my fight. But you know what? 
there are fights that come along. That it is your fight. You're the one. You're the one that needs to take ownership of that fight and have that fight. And not just sit back and say, well, I thought thought you had him. But to engage it. And so today I hope to, to show you maybe for the first time or to remind us that maybe have heard the, this, this idea before, that there is a world of people around us and far distances from us that are drowning themselves in a sea of sin. That our God is not wanting that any should perish, any, but that all, all should come to repentance. That Jesus describes his intended purpose is to seek and to save that which was lost. That the good news of redemption in Jesus has not made it to everyone, everywhere. That Jesus defeated sin and death, and now he invites us and promises to empower us to take that good news to every person in every place. That if you enjoy his redemption this morning personally, then the task of telling the world about him, it's your fight. Your fight. Our fight. You know, in this series, we've been uh, talking about this slogan that we've got or, uh, you know, front-facing statement of mission painted on the outside of the building that, 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 that you belong. And the reason is uh, because that's core to who our God is. Our God is, is inclusive, not exclusive. And so if we're going to be his people, we also must be inclusive. And it baffles me that the church at large out there, that we have the reputation a lot of times of being a country club with our noses up in the air, and it's an exclusive place that not everybody can get into. And uh, the only part of that that I kind of understand is I mean, Jesus did say, we talked about this not long ago. I mean, he said uh, that he was the way and the truth and the life. That no one is right with God except by coming through him. And so in that way, there is an an exclusive door, Jesus. There is an exclusive path, path, Jesus. But that door is available to all, to everyone. Nobody is excluded from access to that door and that way but yet today, a lot, of the, a lot of the people on the planet don't even know that the tour exists. They don't know that it's available to them. And it's, uh, it's our job to make sure that they do. You know, those two statements, everywhere and everyone, I mean, everywhere to me is pretty easy to, to grasp, you know. I mean, if there's a where, all of those wares, whatever there's a where, there's that, that, that place too. So you could throw out whatever place. And we're like, yep, yep, Jesus was talking about that one too. There's not one that's, that's outside of that, that's too far of a distance, that's too difficult to get to. I mean, in fact, let's be honest, in the world that we live in today, it is not that hard. Although I just had a conversation at the lobby about trying to get to London. It sounded like it was pretty difficult. Uh, but, and it may, but even at that, even at that, even though you got some long layovers and you don't normally eat carbs and you got to eat that, that nasty uh, bagel that's crusty or whatever, I mean, are you, and drink coffee that's not good in the airport. I mean, I, like the, yeah, that, that's difficult, but y'all, it wasn't that long ago that to go to those distant places, it was five, six months in a boat with facing all kinds of peril, right? I mean, that bagel, you're going to be all right. 
a little tummy ache. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. Um, but even those places, whatever that distant place is, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that my math is pretty close here, but you'll get the idea. Uh, I was just checking out, you know, as, as a crow flies, what is the, the furthest place from here? And best I can tell, it's about 9,000 miles away. About 9,000 miles, you, keep, you pass that place, then you're, you're coming home again, right? So, so about 9,000 miles away. And, uh, and you know what? Yeah. Jerusalem is about 6,700 miles away. <laughs> the epicenter of all the things that we're talking about. You, <laughs> that makes us a distant place. That makes us, that makes you, you one of those distant places that this good news made it even to you, that the people who were responsible for it in the early church, they, they, they took that responsibility, that fight upon themselves, and they were faithful. And so guess what? You're, you, from the distant place, you also got to hear this good news. And now we get to be a part of taking this news to, the, to the, all the other distant places. But everywhere is, you know, a little bit intuitive, but what about everyone? It's a little more difficult. You know, we're going to look at some passages in, the, in a minute that, that talk some about this. But God is not just about the sheer number of people. He specifically says that he wants representation from every community, every tribe, every tongue, everything that's separate, every hashtag, everything that, that makes somebody say that we're, that we're us and you're them. Those groupings, he wants every single one of those groupings. I've, I've heard this illustration. I think it's awesome. It's like, uh, it's not like a pancake where you just got the pancake and you're trying to put syrup on it. And so you just put syrup over the pancake. No, it, the way God sees the world, it's, it's like a waffle. And you got each one of those little waffle squares and he wants syrup in every square. And so the task for us is to find out where all the squares are, identify the squares, which y'all, a lot of work has been done to do this. You, you, it's not hard to find. Here's all the squares. But then for each one of those squares, there needs to be somebody who says, that's my square. And I'm going to figure out, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going I'm to learn all that I can, and I'm going to try to figure out how to, how to shape the syrup, you know, the spout on the, I don't know, to, try, to hit that square and to fill it up. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to, I'm going to own that square. And there's a lot of squares today that are nobody's, nobody's owned that still don't have any syrup. And y'all, I like waffles, and you need syrup in every square. Amen. Uh, one of these tribes that I've been thinking about here recently, uh, just and it's, and it's, it's sad to me that I never have really considered this tribe before, um, but it's folks in our community. It's the, it's the special needs community, you know? I mean, think, think about it for a second. You know, they, the church, church, big, big church, uh, you know, churches, churches that I've been a part of, we're just, we're just ill-equipped, uh, uneducated when it comes to how we would care for the special needs community well. And I think if I was special needs and I showed up, would I, would I feel welcome or would I feel, uh, what, would it, what would it mean for me to, to belong here? And... Um, and one of the things, y'all, that I'm crazy proud of is that uh, at the Grove, our, our student ministry, there's a, there's a camp called Camp Bartimus that's not too far from here. And our, our students, the camp that they do in the summer, is they go to Camp Barnabas, and Camp Barnabas is for special needs kids. And they, they go there as, as missionaries to, to care for these kids. Um, I've got a few photos here from this, this summer. Um, 
And y'all, it's just, it's just incredible, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that like, all right, man, uh, yes, you belong. And, and we're going to go and spend a week, and, and, it, and it's a challenging, challenging thing. I mean, when my, when my boys have come back, uh, in fact, this year uh, when Brennan came back and he was telling me uh, the stories, man, honestly, I was just like, dude, Dude, I mean, I've, I've tried to do a lot of things to care for people and gone long distances to try to, and man, what you're talking about is one of the most challenging things I've ever heard. I don't, I don't know what I got, I don't know what I got, whatever you got, that you, that you did that. Um, and that, that's, what, that's what our Roots Ministry is about, and we, we get to support that. But I think it's bigger. I mean, that, that community, the special needs community, what does it look like for the Grove to be a place where where they belong, yes, they belong here. Another thing that's happened here recently this summer, uh, at least in the time that I've been here, the Grove has never sent out a short-term mission team. And uh, this summer, awesome, to El Salvador, we sent a team with this ministry called Filter of Hope. And, uh, and what I love about it is that, I mean, this community in El Salvador, that uh, clean drinking water is not easily available to them. And and Filter of Hope has these, these filters that can, that can do that for them. And, and then our team comes in and, and we bring filters, meeting a practical, very, very practical need, clean drinking water. And then what, what, what better an illustration? <laughs> you got dirty water and you got a filter that cleans it, but only the filter works to clean the water. I mean, and then it's easy to, it's an easy bridge to then talk about Jesus and to share this good news. And uh, they put a, together a little video I want to I wanna show you about this trip this summer. Filter of Hope is a ministry that uh, seeks to bring clean water filters to people that have a need for that and take that as an opportunity to share the gospel with them at the same time. So we had several uh, families go. It was parents and kids. It was eye-opening and it changed my perspective on how other people work and how God works. It was great to connect with these people and feel like you made, made a slight difference, but that you were there and that you impacted and that you were and watching God move. We were given uh, a few different village locations to go to, 15 minutes to get to know them, and then we would transition into teaching them how to use the water filters and then um, if they took really good care of it, the filter would last for 10 years. And then we kind of transition into, um, you know, just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And uh, we would share the gospel if it seemed like that, that was where they were at. Um, if we could tell they were really followers of Christ, we'd ask them, do you have some scriptures you'd like to share with us? It turned into a little, a little Bible study time together. It's sometimes hard. It's different. But it's so worth it. And not because you're going to go and make this massive difference in people's lives. We are literally just a blip on the radar in someone else's life. But more about what is God going to do inside of you while also getting to be a blessing um, to people who, again, who live just a completely different experience um, than we do is, um, is just transformational. Yeah, yeah, incredible. And I, I would encourage you, if, if you know somebody that was on that trip, 
Uh, or even if you don't, I can point you to some of them. Have a conversation. Ask them those, those deeper things that they learned and the things that they were a part of. And I can tell you this much, man, it, it just it feels like this is the beginning of a partnership with this Filter of Hope ministry. I think there's a whole lot of things that we can, we can do. It's just, just an incredible thing that we get to be a part of. And, uh, and you know, I mean, when you say God loves the world, I, I think uh, I've always kind of, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, God loves the world. I mean, uh, watching NFL games when I was a kid, you know, behind the, the uh, goalpost, they'd hold up the John 3.16 sign. And I remember that, that being, you know, it was curious to me, so I went and checked out John 3.16, that God so loved the world. And that's not a hard concept, but I, I would say that I think we're real quick, I was real quick, that God so loved the world really meant God so loved Mark. And not really to think much outside of God so loved God so loved Mark. The world, yeah, 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 but the world. But what he really loved, God loved me. Uh, but he really means it. He, he loves the world. And this isn't just like random, you know, one random verse in the scriptures. I, I mean, real quick, y'all, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through a few things here. I mean, way back, Genesis chapter 12, I mean, the original promise to Abram was that he would go from his country, his kindred, and his father's house to a land that, that God would show him and God says, I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families, all the waffle squares, all the waffle squares on the earth gets gets syrup. It's Genesis chapter 12. And in the Old Testament, when you really start to, I mean, you just see it. Like, all right, the, the, the promise, the, the promise comes up again and again and again, both said, spoken, but then also in all kinds of different ways, you see the promise playing out. Uh, one of my favorite, favorite uh, psalms, just listen to this prayer. Uh, and, I, and I think this one, I've only, <laughs> growing up, I only heard half of it. And I think that's one of the reasons I love it, because when you really see it in its fullness, you really get this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine up on us. That's usually all that's there on the thing, you know, the cross stitch. But look where it goes from there. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Man, that's like, bless us. And then it's like, bless us so that all the nations. And I love the way that this is worded. That, that all the nations be glad. Be glad in this good news that came to us and that we get to share. Um, Matthew 28, I mean, what, what did Jesus say to his disciples? Go, therefore, and make disciples of Arkansas. No, of all the nations. Uh, Acts 1.8, what does he say? You're going to receive power. I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And again, Jerusalem, right? Uh, 6,700 miles from here. Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This, this incredible message got to us. And then 100 years from today, what are you going to be doing? You ever ask yourself that question? A hundred years from today, what are you going to be doing? In Revelation 7, 9, from that uh, future perspective, listen. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, 
all together from every nation, from all the tribes and the peoples and the languages, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And what are they crying out? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's it. You know, a lot of times I've, I've looked at this and wondered, you know, who, who is it that for me when this, this idea of you belong, who is it that's going to be there that I'm going to be like, oh, I didn't think you were going to make it? <laughs> or like, do you really deserve to be here? Because in that place, everyone is welcome. And this is supposed to be a, a picture of what that place is like. We're supposed to be about that. Salvation belongs, that's what they're singing out. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Jesus won the fight. He defeated sin. He he kicked death in the teeth. The the victory has been won. And so now we call people to celebrate the victor. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Jesus. But y'all, I've got a map here, and um, this this is a picture of, of what the world looks like when you think about each one of those, those dots is a waffle square, have you? And uh, it's a different people group. And, of course, the green ones are the ones that have had more exposure to this good news. And, uh, you know, they've got churches close to them. They've got, you know, a person would likely know an, a follower of Jesus. And then, you know, as it progresses, by the time it gets to red... That means that those are uh, waffle squares whose syrup's not even on the table, all right? Like, they, they, don't, they don't know. There's nobody around them. There's no way that they... Like somebody's going to need to go to them and, and share this, this with them. And the thing about this map, I mean, I was first exposed to this in probably 98. And here we are. This, this version is uh, 2020. And uh, it doesn't look a whole lot different. <laughs> It doesn't look a whole lot different in, in 20 years. And, um, and I think one big reason for that is uh, if you really, this information is pretty easy for you to find out there. This, this website's the Joshua Project. There's a lot of incredible things there. But, um, but when you talk about the number of people that are, that are picking up and moving and, and, and going to these places to do that, the number that, that goes to the red areas is ridiculously small. When you talk about all of the resources and money that's given, it's this, this little minuscule amount that actually makes it to the, the, the red areas. And so while there's a lot of things done, there's, there's also a, a lot that's left to, to do. And um, one thing I, that's exciting about being at the Grove, we've, we've got a few, few folks that we've sent out. In fact, uh, I'm going to bring attention to two, two families that I, I feel like I've been here a while, and they, they left, and you guys sent them out before I got here. And so I've just gotten to, to know them by supporting them while they're there. But two families that are actually in a red area. The first one I want to show you is the, the McCalls. How many, people, how many people knew the McCalls before they left? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, man, just an incredible family. Uh, they were sitting in here one Sunday morning, and they uh, realized that that red area needed some people's. And they picked up their life, and they moved to the other side of the planet, and they're just like you, uh, really. I mean, they're going to be here in a few weeks, and I would encourage you, we'll let you know, they'll be out in the live, y'all can, y'all can maybe meet them if you haven't met them before, but you people that know, I mean, every time I'm around Evan, I'm like, oh yeah, this, Evan's a bro, man. I mean, like, like and they, they, but they live there, and let me show you this next picture. They, uh, what they do, they, they started a company, 
You know, a lot of times in these red areas, it's, uh, you don't just go in and go, hey, I'm a missionary. And everybody's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're just not those kinds of places. And even if they were, one thing is that, that our family realizes is that, um, living overseas a little bit, is that even if they did, I mean, then, then you're there. And you just imagine, you just imagine, somebody moves into your neighborhood and they don't have a job and they just hang out at coffee shops all the time. And you start to, like in normal conversations, you start to like, well, so what exactly is it that you do? You know, you're just independently wealthy, just kind of hanging out. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense to the community. And so, uh, so Evan, man, he's a part of this, this business in this city. And, they, and what they do, they, they employ folks. So they actually help them financially because they're giving them employment. But then at their place of business, then they are having Bible studies, they're, they're sharing this good news, they're helping those families with, with the personal things that they're working through, and they are basically planting churches with a, with a business model. It's, it's, it's really incredible. Um, and it just continues to grow. And so, yeah, yeah, the, the, the McCalls. And then the second family, the Morgans, um, the Morgans are also in, in that red area. But one thing that's really interesting about them, they have... They have been overseas for a long time and have done a lot of life, seen a lot of those, those hardships. And one of the things that they recognized, uh, they told me that right now the number is 76% of those f- folks that are working overseas that come back early, come back for preventable reasons. A lot of times, I mean, they're, they're, it's just been difficult and their marriage has fallen apart. Or, you know, their, their children are really struggling being in this different culture and you know, they're American, but they live in this place, and, they, and all of those difficulties and all those things and the stressors of that, you know, uh, when we left to go overseas, the, the guy said, the guy that we were talking to, this consultant uh, that was trying to help us figure all that out, he's like, man, anything that's an that's a ant in, a, in America will be an elephant there. <laughs> it just will be. And that, so that's what happens. And so the Morgans recognized that and, uh, and started a ministry called Field Life. I think it's fieldlife.org if you want to go check it out. Uh, but what they do is they try to care well for those folks, those workers, so that they can thrive and continue to do the work that they're doing, helping those marriages, helping them uh, in all kinds of different ways. And so just a really incredible thing that they're doing. And you're a part of supporting that, whether you realize it or, or not. Um, one thing about families that have been overseas for a while, it's just easy when you're that far away to be forgotten, you know? And so I just challenge you, if you raised your hand a minute ago and you know, especially if you knew them from the past, man, I, I mean, I, I text, I mean, we can, it's so easy today to say, man, I'm just thinking about you and praying for you today, means so much because you don't have all of this. And to know that you were remembered, that you weren't forgotten, is powerful. And we want to support them well. Something else that you may not realize that you're a part of uh, now, for about 20 years, I've, uh, I've been a part of trying to, trying to go to one of these red areas. And uh, a few years back, kind of a mix of what I just shared, these two different things. I realized that, man, these places aren't easy to get into. And it would make a whole lot more sense to, to have a business to do that. And then um, also that, man, folks really struggle when they're there and they, they need help. And so I did that alone for a while. You'll see me, that's a, a factory that I'm at there, the, the bald-headed guy in the middle that's shiny. Uh, it's pretty easy to spot. 
Um, and one thing that I found out is, man, then I can, these, these factory communities are incredible because they're, they're multi-generational, you know, uh, grand, grandpa pass it down and next generation, next generation. And then they form up this community and it's really cool because you can get to know everybody and, and connect with this family and all the workers that are there. Um, in fact, this next photo, I, uh, one, one time, one of these families, I ended up, uh, getting to be a part of the marriage ceremony of, of the owner's son and uh, to be able to, to talk about this good news with all of the family and that whole community. And, but one day I looked up and I realized that I was kind of doing this alone. I mean, Terry would drive me to the airport and uh, it was like, a, it was just me, <laughs> all right, you know, and, uh, and then there was this other group, actually some folks that have been sent from the Grove that are, are over there. There's about 30, more than 30. And, uh, and they needed to be able to, to work with a business for it all to work out. And so a few years ago, we combined forces. There are several folks in the room, even some board members of that company. Um, some other people have supported in different ways. I'll just tell you right now, I, I would, I'm, I'm looking for ways to include all of us in this because God's doing something, something really cool. And uh, I appreciate you guys letting me be a part of it. Um, again, in, in one of those, those, red, those red areas. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, what, what's, your, what's your square? <laughs> you know, another, another fight that I got to watch, and I, I don't think I'm that violent. Maybe I'm always talking about fights, but another fight that I got to see uh, when I was in college, um, you know, if, when you're on the football field, guys are fighting all the time. It's two guys will cross each other, and, it'll, and, it's, and it's an aggressive place anyway, so it's like, all right, yeah, you, you kind of expect it. And it's always been interesting to me, one, that it's kind of like hockey, man. When people start taking their helmet off, like, man, just leave your helmet on. Why, why would I take my helmet off and then go to fight a guy that has his helmet on? Makes absolutely no sense. Um, anyway, and then, and then I've always been interested in what coaches, how coaches respond to that. Like, do I, do I just let it go? Or do I, uh, do I step in and say, no, this is not okay. Is it okay? Is it not okay? Well, this time... I think I was maybe a, maybe a sophomore, and, uh, and we had this new coach, 73-year-old coach. Had, you know, wasn't going to see anything new. You weren't going to throw anything new at him. Actually, he coached my dad, so he'd been around a long time. And, uh, and these two guys go at it. And sure enough, he, he's in his golf cart on the other end of the football field, and he comes down here, and he just pulls up in his golf cart, and he just kind of leans back and watches these two guys, you know. And they're, they're really getting after it. And uh, he's not saying anything, and he's just watching. And this is the first time with this coach that we had gotten to see how he's going to respond to this. He wasn't doing anything. But then one of the guys actually kind of got pushed and was falling back. And when he was falling back, he threw his foot up. But it looked like he was trying to kick the other guy. And this 73-year-old guy about this tall turns, I mean, as red as you can imagine. And he comes across there, and he grabs him, and he picks him up. And he says, you're not going to cheat! You're not going to cheat. And I realized, oh, man, he, uh, that's where the line is. <laughs> you can fight all day long. But, man, if you do something underhanded and you try to cheat, that's where it crosses the line with this coach. And he is not going to let that happen. And I guess my question for us this morning is, what, what, what is the line for you? That you, you sit back and you watch and you let all the things that we're talking about this morning be true. You enjoy that song that we just sang about my hope is in Jesus. You enjoy it. When is it that, that you go, you know what? It's that, it's that waffle square. <laughs> I got some syrup. That's the square. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out now how to step into this 
and own it and get into this fight. You know, there's a lot of ways to do that. One real practical way is, is just to begin to pray. I don't know, I don't know how often uh, you think about other places or like when you're, when you're watching the news and, and you read something about a place and you know that, I just showed you the map, you know it's in one of those places. You know, and you're like, man, can I, can, I, can I pray and just ask God to do something there, to raise up workers, laborers that would go into that harvest, to that darkness and light it up and let them know that they belong too in this family. Maybe it's as simple as praying. And you, you do have to, to do a little education, self-education of that, like that Joshua Project. There's so many resources to find out. And, and, and it's not, one thing I figured out, it's not all the places. I mean, y'all, there's, there's a lot of places and there's a lot of peoples, but what is the one that God really puts on, on your heart? There's, there's one for me that I can't get away from. I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about it. He put it deep inside of my heart. What is that place for you? What is that people for you? It's got your heart. Um, there, you know, some of those peoples are probably around here. We got a, a big university. We got these 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 huge companies that bring people in from all over the world. Are are we are we welcoming people well? That, you don't even have to jump on a plane and eat a bad bagel. <laughs> they're, they're they're right here at your back door. They you ran into them the other day at the store. Are we welcoming well? Are we giving big? Are we figuring out how to do our own budget so that there's some some finances available to 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 change that to be a part of making his name great on the planet. And then are we recruiting others? When you're in conversations with your friends, when you're in Bible study, when you're, is this something that's a part of the conversation? Or is it something that you just never even talk about? What would it look like to look each other in the eye and say, man, what, what are you doing about this? How are you going to be involved? What's your next step? There's a class, I, I don't think it's in the fall, I think it's probably, it'll probably be the spring called Perspectives. It's just a deep dive into God's heart for the world and what it would look like to be a part of it. Man, maybe sign up for that. Let that be your Bible study this next year. So how about this? Why don't we take the next few minutes and uh, as we sing together, both individually and then thinking about the Grove as a whole, and what would it look like for us to, to step into the fight and by his power, watch him draw the nations to himself. Let, let me pray. Father, I do just recognize this morning that we, we get very self-involved um, when we think about the world. When I think about the world, I think about me. And uh, Father, you're, you're doing something so much bigger. You're calling us something to, to do something so much greater. And Father, I just I ask you that you would you'd give us those eyes to see it, that you would remind us of it, that when we, when we open up your word, those passages would jump out at us that our God, <laughs> he doesn't stiff arm anybody and he's made the way for everyone. Father, that message needs to make it around the globe. And so Father, let us be a part of it. Inspire us, encourage us, empower us to join with you in what you're already a part of what you're doing to your glory. Amen.